everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. This is it. You are here for the very first episode of Make Life Matter, and I am so excited and grateful for you. Together each week, we're going to look at ways to discover miracles and life's messy moments. This is your go-to podcast for anyone craving fresh ways to apply God's Word to your everyday life. You'll be inspired through the stories of men and women in the Bible to stand strong no matter what, and twice a month, you'll be encouraged to my special guest to hold on to hope overcome challenges, and become a catalyst for change. I've already had the opportunity to interview so many of these guests, and I'm telling you, they are amazing. Their stories are riveting, and the way they were able to find the miracle in the middle of the mess is going to inspire you to stand strong no matter what you might be dealing with. Next week, you're not going to want to miss my very first guest, Tiffany Johnson, who will share powerful insights. Guys, she survived a near-fatal shark attack while on vacation with her husband. She was my guest for the launch of my second Bible study, Fearless, Ordinary Women of the Bible Who Dare to Do Extraordinary Things, and she will encourage you to be fearless as you make your life matter in 2020. Together each week, we're going to just going to dive into God's word and draw from the stories of everyday people just like you and me who discovered miracles in the mess. We'll discover ways to get and stay unstuck from the disappointment that steals our joy when things don't unfold like we think they should. And honestly, when do they really ever? I wrote about that very thing in my first Bible study, Finding Joy When Life is Out of Focus, a study of Philippians for joy-thirsty women. Philippians has a lot to say about joy in just four chapters. So how do we find joy when life is messy? Well, I want to talk about that a little bit today and share my personal testimony with you. Adversity can serve as our teacher if we allow God to use it to focus our lens on his perspective. I learned some tough lessons from adversity and many of them served as a catalyst for this Bible study I mentioned, Finding Joy When Life Is Out of Focus. And although I'd much prefer sitting with you face to face over my kitchen table, over a cup of coffee or hot tea, I want to take this opportunity to share some of my experience with you today. I'm a survivor of two near-death health challenges, crises that reframed and changed the trajectory of my life. Listen, I know how joy can disappear when health problems or strained relationships or financial difficulties pay us an uninvited and maybe unexpected visit. But no matter what you're facing today, God can give you the strength to persevere and love the life you see. Well, growing up, the sound of 88 keys on a piano and voices in three-part harmony often filled our home. So not surprisingly, I majored in music education at Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri. I met my husband, Dale Donatio, there while he was studying pre-law. And after a God-directed shift, he completed his Master's of Divinity in 1993, and we were married, wait, 
a week later. Yep, Dale and I spent a year in ministry in Maui, Hawaii. And I know, and every time I say that, people say, oh, you were suffering for Jesus. But I'm telling you, we worked really hard. We had the privilege of working on staff at Cathedral of the King. And then after a year of ministry there, we moved to Virginia, which has been our home ever since. And he served as a youth pastor and I served as a worship pastor. And those formative years allowed us the opportunity to kind of cut our teeth in ministry before answering the call to serve as lead pastors. And here we are nearly two decades of ministry later. I can't believe I'm that old. And my relationship with the Lord in that amount of time has drastically changed. Well, in 2001, my life was deteriorating in every way, body, mind, and spirit. I had struggled for so long with perfectionism, just crippling perfectionism and performance-based way of living and the weight of other people's expectation, all of that blurred my lens on life. And I became aware of how much I found my identity as a person and in Christ in what I did for God. So God was beginning the process of focusing my lens on his perspective, leading me toward a new kind of life. Now, looking back, I can see how God was lovingly reshaping me, but at the time it was painful. For as long as I can remember, I have struggled with physical challenges. As a child, I needed hospitalization for this rare disorder called osteomyelitis, which is a condition that takes place when the strep virus enters the bloodstream, attacking the bone marrow. As I grew older, I faced other complications with my tonsils, my knee, deteriorating eyesight, which I still have today, endometriosis, and a difficult pregnancy resulting in a C-section. Well, due to endometriosis, I faced a slim chance of ever having children. And despite the doctor's prognosis, I am the blessed mother of two children, my daughter Gabrielle, born in 1996, and my son Christian, born in 1999. I used to refer to myself as the reject off the assembly line of heaven. Looking at life through the blurry lens of health complications, I didn't like what I saw. However, God convicted me of that, and he showed me through his word, especially through Psalm 139, that I am his design and he has a purpose for me. The words of Psalm 139.14 leapt off the page. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me just be honest. There were times in my life I did not feel fearfully and wonderfully made. But God reminded me that he doesn't make any rejects and that he was reframing my life and I had no idea just how much I was going to need that perspective shift. So in 2001, after living with chronic pain from endometriosis, I had a hysterectomy and one week after surgery, I was bleeding at home and badly enough to call my doctor. So I called and it was the end of a you know work day on a Friday. And so he said, well, you know, we're about to close. Why don't you just go ahead and go on to the ER? I'm sure it's nothing. So I followed his advice and they admitted, admitted me for observation just to be safe. Well, to make a really long story short, over the course of 12 hours while I was fully awake, I lost over half of my blood supply and nurses were frantically coming in and out of my room and just attempting to stop me from hemorrhaging to death. And at 3.30 in the morning, I, I looked up at that clock and if you've ever been in the hospital, it's one of those kind of older clocks, just white with the black letters on it and... I remember looking at it at 3.30 and thinking, you know, my doctor's not on call till 6 a.m. I'm not going to make it. And that proved to be a defining moment in my life. God was refocusing my lens. 
And later, as I was still processing all that had happened, I said to the Lord, I don't ever want to feel that desperate again. I don't know if you've ever been in places where you just felt like abandoned or just completely helpless. Here I was, you know, in the United States of America, basically hemorrhaging to death in a hospital room, not on the side of the road, not far, far from help, but still feeling incredibly helpless and vulnerable. And yet I heard God respond to me, Angela, that is how I always want you to feel that dependent on me. See, God was changing this faulty thought pattern that I had in a tangible way. I began to journal during this period of my life and my relationship with the Lord became much more intimate and personal. My thoughts and questions became songs that eventually formed my first album, This Journey. I've included lyrics from the album, even through that Bible study, Finding Joy, just praying that they would inspire anyone who reads it and anyone who listens to that music to learn to live in joy no matter where our journey takes us. You know, my doctor did come in at six o'clock in the morning and I was given a very advanced life-saving procedure. To this day, we don't know what caused the bleeding, but I am so grateful that God spared my life. And not only did he do that, but he was changing my perspective. So I thought, you know, I'd learn what I need to learn. You ever been through something like, okay, I'm glad I'm through that. I learned what I need to learn. We can move on. And then not even two years later in 2003, I began to feel ill at a conference and experienced this just sharp abdominal pain I had never understood or known before. I didn't have an appetite. I struggled for several months losing weight and I was enduring these bouts of just excruciating pain. So after weeks of doctor's visits and some of them just very demoralizing, there are so many wonderful doctors, but I just encountered some who didn't, they just couldn't figure out what was wrong. So they thought maybe it was in my mind or I was making it up or, you know, just that didn't help me. When you're already in such a low place, you want someone to really listen to you and help you. And I again was feeling completely helpless. Well, after weeks of those doctor's visits, I was finally admitted to the hospital. And believe it or not, it was the same doctor who had come in at 6 a.m. in the morning that had helped to stop that hemorrhaging that I went back with my husband now two years later and just sobbing in his office. I had just finished a doctor's visit that had not gone well. And that doctor did not really believe anything was wrong with me. And I went straight up to this, to my other doctor's office with my husband and I just was just bawling in, in the front office. And I said, I have got to see him. I've got to talk to him. And thank God he saw me. And, you know, I never thought about it until just a couple months ago that that God actually used the situation of me hemorrhaging to perhaps even open the door of how I was going to get into the hospital because no one was taking me seriously. No one was admitting me. And then this doctor took me seriously, admitted me. And if it had not been for my history with him, perhaps that wouldn't have happened. And I share that because maybe you just do not understand why God has allowed you to go through something. And you may not understand it on this side of heaven, but you know, everything has value and purpose and he won't waste it. And I could even see now how he didn't waste that. So I ended up, you know, being being admitted to the hospital. And at that point, my heart rate had plummeted to like 39 to 41 beats per minute. It was just dangerously low. And my blood pressure was hovering at about 75 over 40. And I spent 11 days in the hospital with nothing to eat or drink. You know, they didn't know if I might need surgery. They didn't know what was wrong. 
and I was constantly laying on my my left side in the fetal position. My parents had flown back in. Things looked grim. I remember people coming in out of my hospital room and trying to encourage me. I remember my best friend bringing me a picture of those children that God had given me and just desperately trying to hold on to hope. And I could just feel the life slipping out of me. Well, finally, after 11 days, the doctors ordered an extensive MRI. It's one of those gross tests. Have you ever had it done where you drink the barium and you, you know, they watch it and they see where it goes in your body and they see if maybe you have an obstruction. And I'm thinking in my mind that like the endometriosis had come back. Maybe it was wrapped around something that had happened actually to my mom. And my doctor was just convinced, no, we got it all. We got it all. That's not it. So basically the barium swallow test was to show what might be causing an obstruction so it was supposed to take about 45 minutes so my husband stayed upstairs and my parents stayed upstairs and they wheeled me down into this cold hospital room and I was laying on my side in the only position my body could tolerate I was completely alone and I watched the screen as the barium reached my stomach and it stopped And then the 45 minutes turned into an hour and two hours and four hours and six hours. And I lay on that cold metal table hour after hour. They would have me drink and then roll over and then drink and sit up and roll over and stand up and get on all fours. I just felt like a rag doll. And I heard the Lord ask me a question in that dark, dark moment of my life that changed the trajectory of the rest of my life. I heard the audible voice of God, which has only happened a couple of times. And I heard him ask me this, Angela, I know you can worship me in the sanctuary on the platform. I want to know if you can worship me here. You know, I had been a worship leader for, I don't know, maybe 15 years at that point. I had led worship hundreds of times, but that hospital room became holy ground And I sang quietly with tears flowing down my face. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely. You're altogether worthy. You're altogether wonderful to me. And I I just believe with everything in my being that that moment of surrender ushered in my miracle. There are no coincidences in God. A doctor on call at the hospital saw my films And he just happened to be studying for his medical board exams. He remembered a picture in his book that looked like my films. He had not had any patient with this this diagnosis. And so just to be sure, they called in more specialists. And they finally gave me a diagnosis two days later of superior mesenteric artery syndrome. SMA syndrome is a rare, extremely rare life-threatening disorder where the superior mesenteric artery takes too sharp of a right turn. So it was compressing on my intestines and acting like an obstruction. So I would try to eat and, you know, the food would go into my stomach and then it would try to go into this first portion of your intestines, your duodenum, and it would just get stuck because of this artery. A severely compressed artery kept my stomach from emptying properly. So a team of specialists made the decision to perform a duodenal genostomy, jujanostomy. It's still hard for me to say after all these years. And what it did was bypass the affected portion of my intestines. Basically, just take that section of intestines, get it away from the artery that was compressing it, relieve the pressure off of the artery. Then they reconnected my stomach to a lower section of my intestines. 
well, the day of surgery was my low point because we didn't know if I would make it. You know, I remember trying to like make a joke with the surgeon and saying goodbye to my parents and saying goodbye to my husband. And I just remember asking God, what else do I need to learn? Like, why is this happening to me? God reassured me that this did not take him by surprise. I survived a very long, difficult surgery. And after um, a pretty intense week in the hospital, I went home. I spent months reeling from trauma, adjusting to a scar that runs the length of my torso and unable to eat solid food. Even in those dark days, God was whispering to me. He was breathing hope into my withered spirit. While recuperating, I took out a piece of paper and I scribbled these words. I don't understand how this is in your plan, but I'll trust you anyhow. I can't possibly see what good is meant for me, but I'll trust you anyhow. That song completed my first album. This became a new way of living for me, learning to trust God's character completely, even when life is out of focus. Following surgery, there were times I questioned why God would spare my life when I couldn't eat. I couldn't take care of my children the way I wanted to. You know, I would get up, I would get dressed, I would try to go to work, I would throw up, I couldn't get anything down, I would head back home, I would lay down, I was completely traumatized, I couldn't handle being out in public for very long. It was just, I I wasn't even who I used to be anymore. And yet, God constantly reassured me and reminded me, listen, If it's for my glory, it's for your good. You know, I would ask him why. Why, God, is this happening? Why did you even bother sparing me? But after I heard him say that to me, I stopped asking God why. And now I choose to believe that nothing happens to me or to you that isn't filtered first through the loving hands of our Heavenly Father. And if you keep having to know why, you will never know peace. God will not allow anything to happen to us that he won't use to bring glory for himself. God won't waste anything you go through, just like he didn't waste me hemorrhaging. He will use the U-turns and the detours and even the dead ends. See, he asks us to just let go of knowing the reasons and just throw our arms around him, push our pain into his heart and take a walk with him, a walk of faith. The choice is ours. You know, don't fight the process God is taking you through. Instead, Learn to trust his character. You know, I've often shared when I travel and speak places that we we would really never say we do this, but when we go through difficult circumstances, and for me, it's been my health. For you, it might be something else. You know, we look at God and we know he's a good God and we think he's faithful and he's just and he's merciful. He's all these things that we read about him. And then we see that we're going through something and we think, but if you're good, why is this happening? Or, or why didn't you stop this? Or why are you allowing this? And And whether we would really admit it or not, what we do is we take God's character and we put it on trial. And we say, God, I know your word says you're good, but I don't know if I'm seeing it. I don't know if I believe it. And my lifelong lesson has been to learn to trust the character of God. And that is what I want to encourage you. And every story you hear on this podcast is going to encourage you. Trust the character of God. We can't always trust our feelings. We can't trust circumstances, but we can trust the character of God. You know, we don't always have control over what happens to us. Even after recovering from surgery, I've undergone multiple endoscopies to stretch my esophagus because it just would shut and it's just so beaten up over time. I have to monitor what I eat. 
And when I'm tempted to feel discouraged, I just cannot allow my mind and spirit to dwell on those feelings. Instead, when difficulties come, I sustain my joy by reminding myself of who God is. Knowing God's character helps us to trust God's heart. You know, if you have children, you'll tell them or grandchildren, don't talk to strangers, don't trust strangers. But if you don't know God, he's a stranger to you and you won't be able to trust him in adversity. You will only grow to to know God's character and trust him as you study his word and spend time in his presence. There's no substitute for that. You'll be encouraged by all these stories you're going to hear on this, on this podcast, but I'm telling you, nothing is going to be a substitute for you digging into the word of God and spending time in his presence. Because without trust, you won't be able to fully surrender your life to God. Surrender and trust in God's character are an act of obedience. And God always blesses obedience. You know, just last week, I shared a message at Synergize 2020 in Orlando, Florida, And one of my main points was this very thing, favor follows obedience. I wrote this on page 89 in Finding Joy When Life is Out of Focus. Your obedience is your worship. God takes the sounds we struggle to surrender and he composes a beautiful melody from a submitted heart. We offer him brokenness and he writes hope. You don't have to live shackled by sin or paralyzed by pain. It's time for you to sing a new song, the song that God is writing over your life. His heavenly harmonies are crafted from our tender places made sacred through surrender. See, God chooses the process and we choose obedience. God crafts the vessel he wants to use and that process of crafting is often painful and confusing and messy. Then he uses the vessel that he crafts. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 tells us that we have this treasure in jars of clay. Well, what is that treasure? It's the knowledge of who God is. It's salvation. It's this life that we get to live in Christ. And we have this treasure in our jars of clay, in our feeble, fragile bodies, our hearts, our minds. And we hold it to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, it says, and not from us. That means that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. We are now the jar. We are the vessel. We are the container that carries the glory of God. That's the treasure that we're holding. You were born to carry the glory of God. Well, what does it look like when we become the container that holds his glory? What does it look like when favor follows our obedience? Well, it looks like kingdom purpose. And God transforms our pain into purpose. When when we allow him to shift our perspective, listen, when we dig into the character of God and who he is, he will turn your pain into purpose. Well, I followed and I fought for and I am doing all that I can to fulfill God's call on my life, just like I want you to do for yours. And his purpose includes for me helping women ground themselves in the word instead of the narrative of the world through Bible studies like finding joy in the book of Philippians or my most recent Bible study, fearless ordinary women of the Bible who dare to do extraordinary things. When favor follows obedience, it looks like in my life, nearly 20 trips across the continent of Africa. And you're going to hear about some of those on this podcast. 
to bring the message of the gospel to unengaged and unreached people groups and to encourage and strengthen indigenous pastors and their wives. You know, pastors' wives in rural areas are are just some of the poorest and um, just, just in desperate need of people to partner with them. And they don't want a hand out. They want a hand up. They want encouragement. They want to know how through training and through uh, micro enterprise programs like what I've done with Voice of the Voiceless as the founder of Voice of the Voiceless, I work very closely with rural pastors' wives and empowering them through micro enterprise opportunities. And this not only improves the lives of their family, but their church and then their entire community. When favor follows obedience, it looks like being used as an advocate for those who often cannot speak for themselves. In all of these trips to Africa, I have witnessed thousands of children receiving the message of the gospel through kids' camps. I've invested in Bible colleges and repairing fire-damaged Bible colleges and providing mattresses for students who were sleeping on the floor, some of them who had traveled hundreds of miles away from their family to attend Bible college. In fact, one of those trips I I took my, at the time, 72-year-old father to Tanzania to visit Africa for the first time, and we taught in a week-long Bible school uh, spiritual emphasis. You know, it also looks like women's conferences all over, including one in Malawi where the last night of the conference, the electricity went completely out. I remember looking at my interpreter and I said, "I, I can't... Like, I can't preach for 3,000 plus women across an open field. I said, they're never going to hear me. And she said, they're not going to, they don't need to hear you. They need to hear me. And I just began to speak. I couldn't see my notes. I don't remember a word of what I said. But in the back, someone shown their, um, someone pulled in with a car and, and shown their um, headlights. And so as I looked out over this crowd of women that had pressed as far as they could up to the front to hear, Um, The glory of God fell that night in a way that maybe I have never experienced before or since. I can still see their faces as I'm telling you this. You know, it looks like sleeping in mud huts. And it feels like a well-worn pair of hiking boots from climbing Mount Kilimanjaro for clean water. And in just two weeks, I'm going to share about that on episode three. It sounds like singing in a Christ for All Nations crusade and experiencing the miraculous with one of my heroes, Reinhard Bonnke, before he just recently finished his race. It looks like traveling by canoe to a remote village in northern Ghana called Daboya, a 98% Muslim village, to share the gospel. Guys, my hands were shaking as I did this gospel illusion of tearing apart a heart and showing this African chief how God came to love us and yet sin you know, tears that us away from God and destroys the relationship we have. And then um, I showed through this illusion how God miraculously puts our hearts back together. You know, he was surrounded by his six wives and all of these children that were running everywhere. And I said to one of the interpreters, well, how many children does he have? And he shook his head and said, uncountable. It's a memory I'll never forget. You know, when favor follows obedience, it looks like 26 years of marriage to my husband, Dale, raising two children to follow Jesus at all costs, and serving side-by-side in ministry, 25 of those years pastoring the same church in Virginia, raising up and releasing leaders at River of Life. It looks like commitment and choices to pivot in both marriage and ministry when it seemed sometimes easier to quit. 
And it looks like traveling back to Deboya four years ago to plant a church in that same village. Can you believe it? And then three years ago, we traveled back with Dale and this time my 18-year-old son to start the construction of a church building, River of Life, Deboya. See, we had to pivot and not quit when just one year into that church plant, our first pastor was tragically killed on a motorcycle accident. You know, I'm sure so many people in that area thought for sure that would be the end of the church. But our obedience resulted in a new pastor and an open air crusade that was advertised by that same chief and the local officials over the speaker system used, listen, used to broadcast the Muslim prayers daily. Guys, that is a miracle in the middle of the mess. Today, River of Life Deboya has grown to 21 churches planted in the surrounding villages with a total of almost 1,100 members. You know, sometimes I think we put off loving the life we see. Well, I'll love a life I see when this happens or I get the perfect job or everything turns out with my marriage or my jeans fit just right or my kids obey. Like we just keep pushing joy further and further away from us. But God wants us to love the life we see right now, right where we're at all of its flaws, all of its issues, all of its mess, and allow him to show up and show himself strong, just like he's done for me, just like he'll do for you, just like he's done for so many of the guests that you're going to hear on this podcast. See, God wants to bless your life in 2020. He wants you to trust his character and see his hand on your life, even in the difficult seasons, because so often, just when we least expect it, we discover a miracle in the mess. He changes us so he can use us. That is part of the miracle. He wants to turn your pain into purpose. So I want to ask you, what do you feel that he's calling you to do? Where do you sense his favor following you right now? You don't have to wait another minute to start loving the life you see. You can ask God to transform your perspective right now and to turn your pain into purpose. Well, I have loved sharing my story with you today, and I cannot wait for you to join our conversation each week where we'll just get to know each other even better. I wanna pray for you, no matter where you are on your journey today, first, that you will know the love of God, to trust his character, and if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that's the greatest miracle of all. That's the starting place. God will use your private pain for his gain, You will be the container that carries his glory. His favor will rest on you and follow you and follow your obedience. If you'll allow him to use your story for his glory. I just want to close by praying for you today. Lord, I thank you for every listener who longs to love the life they see. Help us to look through the lens of your perspective and let go of anything that is keeping us from seeing your hand on our life. Thank you for turning our pain into purpose. I ask you to show yourself strong to anyone who's struggling to know their purpose and calling. Help them to choose obedience to whatever it is you're asking of us and to trust your process. Use our story for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit AngelaDenadio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at Angela Donatio BOV and Instagram at Angela Donatio. 
If you've been inspired to make life matter, leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.